Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you're addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I am a Dynasty Freak, which means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all my teams 365 days a year. So to you, so let's talk some Dynasty on episode number 162. We're going to do a review of week number 10 in the NFL. Week 10 in the NFL, it was filled with mostly uh, blowout games, but at least we had our Dynasty teams to root for to make Sunday still a fun day, even though the games are blowouts. Uh, Most of the NFL games may not have been tight ones, but I'm sure Dynasty games were. They sure were for me. I blew out one team in one league, uh, but all my other games came down to Sunday and Monday night. Yeah, Pretty crazy in all my other nine leagues, but it went well for me. I finished the week uh, as season's best 8-2 in my 10 teams. Um, Even on good weeks like this one, I like to remind myself, win or lose, it's a joy to watch football all weekend and cheer on our Dynasty teams. So after following uh, all of the games this week, here are a few of my thoughts on the players and the situations uh, and the impact that they have on our Dynasty teams. So we're going to have 10 observations. We'll talk a little waiver wire after week number 10, and then I'll discuss some uh, trades that happened in my leagues this week. Normal script for us if you've been following. Thanks for listening. Now let's dive into the observations from week 10. First would be what I call the AFC North debacle. <laughs> the week kicked off on Thursday night with surprising upset when the Dolphins completely dismantled Lamar Jackson and the Ravens' offense. The Ravens only scored 10 offensive points, and their only touchdown came in the fourth quarter with four minutes left in the game. Mark Andrews was the only fantasy starter who came close to his projected points. Uh, Lamar Jackson, Devontae Freeman ended up with modest but disappointing fantasy days, and Marquise Brown, his poor play left managers in a big hole heading into the weekend. Um, it was good to see Bateman uh, used to you know increase his role, even when Sammy Watkins uh, came back. Um, he seems like he's definitely established the wide receiver two role, even if Watkins is healthy. But overall, that was a big beatdown of one AFC North team. The second was the Browns. Uh, the Browns' uh, offense and defense uh, laid an egg on Sunday, getting whipped by the Patriots 45-7. to The Browns um, released Odell Beckham from the team, and then Nick Chubb was added to the COVID list, and, they could, and he could not play. So it was really just Ernest Johnson, who was the only player to meet fantasy expectations on Sunday, producing actually this crazy. He produced more than 75% of the team's total yards in that horrible start. The only startable, you know, only startable in uh, super flex leagues, Baker Mayfield, had an awful performance and would have finished the day with only two fantasy points if he hadn't thrown one touchdown in the first quarter. And then Jarvis Landry, uh, the only other player worth considering in starting lineups, he finished the game with less than five fantasy points. A uh, pretty bad day for the Browns, who also, in the AFC North, got whipped. And then later, on sun- Sunday afternoon, uh, or Saturday afternoon, the Steelers got the bad news that Ben Roethlisberger was added to the COVID list, and he couldn't start the game. So Mason Rudolph looked about as bad as he has every other time that he's had a chance to start for the Steelers, and he dragged most of the team down with him. In an overtime game uh, against the winless Lions, that <laughs> ended up in a tie. Uh, Rudolph threw a touchdown his first drive, but then he could not lead the team to the touchdown the rest of the game or even a field goal in overtime, even though they had multiple possessions in overtime. Uh, Najee Harris and Deontay Johnson 
Uh, didn't kill Dynasty teams since they had enough volume to get fantasy points, but not near the amount the managers had expected, especially in a matchup when they're playing the winless Lions. The Bengals were the team that benefited from this. Uh, they were on a bye week, and they just watched all the teams in their division uh, get destroyed. They were like many of us as Dynasty managers. Admit it, you've done this, where you're rooting against all the other teams and hoping that they would lose so that you could rise in the standings or stay in contention. Hey, well, just what we do as Dynasty managers, uh, the Bengals got to do while sitting off on their bye week and watching the rest of the teams uh, get destroyed. And their Dynasty managers feeling the same thing with the whole AFC North just playing horribly this week. Second thing is I'll say big, uh, big time bounce back. Uh, last week I talked about how there were three teams that were upset last week that I have complete confidence in that they would bounce back this week. Well, two of them bounced back with full authority, and the other, the Rams last night, uh, did not do as well. But the two that did bounce back well were the Cowboys. Um, they bounced back to smash the Falcons, and then the Bills, they destroyed the Jets. And almost all of the stardom every week players on those teams were awarded their dynasty managers with top-level production this week. Dak Prescott and Josh Allen scored 29 and 25 fantasy points, respectively, uh, leading their teams to blowout wins. And what's great for dynasty managers is that their coaching staff let them play into the fourth quarter, uh, even though the games were blowouts. So it really helped just tack on a couple more points to have those great days. CeeDee Lamb and Stefan Diggs, uh, they bounced back this week with 25 and 26 points, uh, respectively. Uh, it was Lamb's second best week of the year, and it was Diggs' best game of the year. Then Ezekiel Elliott, he had a modest day on the ground, but saved fantasy managers with two short uh, touchdowns. Amari Cooper and Dalton Schultz, they were the ones that disappointed Dynasty managers. Uh, while Mo- I think while Michael Gallup you know, returned to the starting lineup, and unfortunately I think his return is going to be bad news for Schultz, and he's not going to get as many targets anymore. Cooper, on the other hand, I think that he's just going to have bad weeks. This just happened to be one of the bad ones. He and Lamb are just going to keep switching off uh, which of the two of them is going to you know, have a breakout week. This week it happened to be Lamb's week. Wouldn't be surprised at all if it switches back to Cooper in the future. As for the Bills, Emmanuel Sanders and Cole Beasley, they didn't contribute much to the dynasty managers. Um, I'm not confident. Some would think that it maybe is Dawson Knox's return from injury, and that's why Beasley was less targeted in the offense. I do believe that, but I don't really believe it affected Sanders. I think he just had a bad game. I think the Bills know uh, knew that they could just run the ball on the Jets, and they could have their way with them either way. Surprisingly, it was Matt Breida who scored two touchdowns, and Isaiah McKenzie scored one touchdown. And I think fringe players like this just aren't going to vulture all the touchdowns when they play better teams. The Jets were just one that they could beat uh, any way that they wanted, and they took advantage of it. But good to see those two teams bat- bounce back. Uh, I don't know what to think. I thought the Rams were going to bounce back too, as I, as I uh, talked about last week on the podcast, but they certainly did not uh, last night on Monday night. Third observation, I'll just call it leveling the playing field. Uh, last week, Tampa Bay sat home on a bye week, and they watched all the teams at the top of the conference get upset and fall in the conference standings. So Dallas and Green Bay, New Orleans, and Los Angeles fell behind the Buccaneers in the standings last week. Again, kind of like the Bengals did. The Bucks just got to sit there on their bye week a week ago and watch all the teams that were tied or near them in the standings fall. But instead of keeping their lead over these teams, this week it was the Buccaneers. They were the team that was upset by the football team in Washington. Uh, the Cardinals were also upset this week by the Panthers, who smashed them from the opening whistle, just crushed them. And that was fun to fun to watch as a Cowboy fan, seeing ourselves rise back in the standings and see these other teams 
with one losses uh, lose uh, or with one loss uh, one uh, win ahead of us in the standings uh, lose this week. It would be Tampa Bay and the Cardinals. As for uh, the Bucks, it was really Antonio Gibson. He had his best game of the year against the Buccaneers' stiff run defense. Uh, the fantasy production came mainly on the back of two touchdowns. He had a pretty awful yards per carry, but he did score two touchdowns to, to help dynasty managers. And then because the football team was ahead most of the game, he played more uh, while J.D. McKissick played less. Uh, this development was a surprise to McKissick managers like me who expected a negative game script. And the negative game script is when McKissick gets all the passing down work and then he ends up being the one that they rely on is great in PPR leagues. Well, Washington had the lead most of this game, and so it didn't come to come to pass that McKissick was the one used. The rest of the football team, they were pretty mediocre in their fantasy days, mainly because Terry McLaurin and Ricky Sills-Jones came in and out of the game with injuries. All the Buccaneers players underperformed this week in their loss, uh, which is expected when Tom Brady had his second worst game of the year. As for the Cardinals, they had to start backup quarterback Colt McCoy. He led his team to a win last week, but he could not get the moving, offense moving at all this week. Uh, the Panther, Panthers jumped on them early, and the Cardinals just couldn't recover. The Cardinals only managed to have 189 yards of total offense, so everyone on the Cardinals roster that you started was pretty disappointing. Uh, like the Cowboys and Bills uh, proved, you know, you can bounce back, and I think certainly Tampa Bay and the Cardinals are going to bounce back. The Cardinals just need Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins to be back in their starting lineups. And I think this kind of, we got like a really muddy AFC race to the top seed, but the NFC race is really going to be a great fight to the finish. And these are all really good teams that are going to be competing for the top. Next, I'll call it uh, the most disappointing game. The game I was most eager to watch and I had the most DFS stake in this week happened to be the most disappointing game of the day. I was super eager to watch the return of Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson and thought this would be one of the highest scoring games of the week. Uh, both quarterbacks are very prideful, so I thought that they would come out of the gate blazing with Wilson proving something to his team and Rodgers sticking it to his team and to the league after his situation with COVID. But man, I was terribly wrong. The Packers won, but in a very boring game, 17 to nothing. It was the first time the Seahawks had been shut out with Russell Wilson as their starter. Uh, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf combined for just 49 yards receiving. Combined. Ridiculous. 23 and 26 yards receiving. And it was Gerald Everett who was the most productive pass catcher on the team with 63 yards. Man, for the rest of the season, I would expect you know a few dead games like this from Seattle. I think Seattle's going to be an up-and-down team. And it will be very difficult to predict which of the weeks Wilson, Lockett, and Metcalf, the primary players that were starting, uh, when they're going to help dynasty teams or when they're going to hurt dynasty teams. The Packers, on the other hand, I believe they'll be much more consistent and have better weeks. Uh, Aaron Jones's uh, injury paved the way for a much-awaited full release of A.J. Dillon, who alongside Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers are every week starters the rest of the season. Adams has had you know, a really poor year, but it's largely because of his lack of touchdowns, uh, which really what carried him, uh, made him so great last year and really in recent seasons. His receptions and targets are consistent, his touchdowns, I think, then are going to come. And I think the back half of the season, he'll be much better. Although I'm a little bit concerned that if the defense of the Packers plays as well as it did on Sunday, and Dylan runs the ball like a runs like a bowling ball running through the defenses, I think the Packers may be content to just to win games with their defense and running game. That said, Aaron Rodgers is not the type of guy that lets that happen too easily. And uh, this happens, you know, the war between him and Coach LaFleur may 
may heat up if, they, if that's what they try to do. Next observation, as I'll say, it was a big win, but it was a big mess. Uh, Tennessee maintained their lead in the AFC with another big win against the Saints. It was another excellent win for the team, but it was not helpful for any Titan not named Ryan Tannehill from a dynasty perspective. Uh, the workload at running back is a mess from a fantasy perspective, uh, though it's still working for the Titans. Adrian Peterson appears to be the goal back. Deontay Foreman is used mostly between the 20s. McNichols is in the passing games down, passing games back, it seems like. Uh, it's good for them, but it's just terrible for us from a fantasy perspective. The Titans don't have a reliable tight end, except for Miko uh, Pruitt, who was used only on the goal line and caught another touchdown um, in this game. And uh, a red zone touchdown, which he's done several times this year. And then A.J. Brown. Oh, man, he's a beast. It's someone we got to start every single week. But unfortunately, he lost his battle to Marshawn Lattimore this week, who silenced many wide receiver ones over the years. And this time he did silence A.J. Brown. Uh, Tannehill carried the team to victory on Sunday, doing just enough to help his team and his dynasty managers. But the rest of the team was just a mess. A.J. Brown, he's going to bounce back. and He's going to help dynasty teams win games. Uh, you know, for the rest of the season, but he certainly was a dud this week, along with every other Titan not named uh, Ryan Tannehill. Next, I'll say in the same game, uh, surprise Saint. The Saints made another value uh, comeback this week against the Titans, but they fell short just again like they did last week to Atlanta. Unfortunately for Saint fans, the refs had some pretty terrible calls that, that really extended the Titans' drives when the game really mattered most. And but what I want to point out is from a dynasty perspective, I was very shocked at how well Trevor Simeon has played after Jameson's, Jameson, Jameis Winston uh, was injured. Um, I picked up Taysom Hill on the waiver wire, not Simeon. I thought that Hill was going to become the starter and he would be the great guy to have, but looks like I was wrong to do so. Simeon has really proven very capable in helping uh, dynasty teams. He could help dynasty teams in Superflex leagues. Uh, he scored 18 and 22 points in his first two starts of the season. Uh, this week, he really made uh, Traquan Smith, Deontay Harris, and Marcus Callaway look great. He distributed the ball really well. He even got Adam Troutman more involved in the game than he's been this whole year. Uh, I mention this just to say that I wouldn't be surprised to see the Saints stick with Simeon over Winston next year if he finishes well this year. Uh, the Saints are the type of team you know, to be very aggressive in the trade market and free agency in the draft to upgrade a quarterback, but there's you know that's pretty hard to do still, even though the, even though they would like to be aggressive that way, there's still a chance that they just won't find someone in this offseason. They're going to have to choose between Simeon and Winston for next year. I think Taysom Hill he's stuck in his his role with the team, so he's not really in the mix to be the starter at this point. Uh, Simeon and Winston, keep an eye on this. If Simeon keeps playing this well, he really could be the starting quarterback for the Saints. Um, very surprisingly. Next, let's talk about the Patriots. I'll call this the rookie-led Pats. Uh, two Patriot rookies had the best games of their young careers and carried their teams to victories. Uh, Mac Jones and Ramon J. Stevenson uh, may not have been in all Dynasty starting lineups this week, but they might be in the future. Uh, Jones was very likely in lineups in Superflex leagues, but Stevens was a last-minute add on Sunday. If you heard that Damian Harris was ruled out, he might have been put in your starting lineups. Uh, if they were, were active... Um, were active rosters, <clears throat> if they were inactive rosters, they uh, carried teams to wins uh, this week too. Jones, you know, had a modest day as far as passing yards with only 189, but he had three touchdowns. And what's better is that he just looked great doing it, way better than the stat line suggests. Uh, he's just on the money with all of his targets. He spreads the ball around evenly to six different targets. 
Hunter Henry uh, has Jones's eye, you know, on the on the red, in the red zone. He scored two more red zone touchdowns on Sunday. It's ridiculous. Uh, it's you know only his rookie year too, but so far Jones has been the best of the five uh, quarterbacks that were drafted in the first round this last year. He's definitely everything the Patriots wanted to see when they drafted him. He's like a you know I know this is a bold comparison, but he's like a little Tom Brady. <laughs> commanding the offense and making no-name wide receivers effective. Kendrick Bourne had his best uh, fantasy game of the season with 22 points, and he's actually scored 14 points four times this season. Jacoby Myers is averaging 8.5 fantasy points per game. Best of all for Dynasty managers, uh, he has a lot of room to grow and hopefully is going to be surrounded by more talented weapons in the years to come. Stock is rising for uh, Mac Jones, that's for sure. And the other rookie had to break out on Sunday was Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, I have to admit that I was lower on Stevenson than, than most other dynasty analysts in this last year's rookie drafts. I just didn't like him. I didn't think his running style fit the NFL. And plus, I'm a Damian Harris truther, and so I thought that he'd just get buried in the depth chart because I love Harris so much. Uh, it did, sadly, it just took one Harris injury to call all that into question. And now the Patriot backfields looks like it's going to be divided more than it usually is. Stevenson had 114 total yards and two touchdowns on Sunday against a pretty good Browns defense. I think that his performance demands that he gets more touches, and since he's better in the passing game than Harris is, uh, this could be the start of a change in New England. Uh, the Patriots have always split carries in the roles in their backfields, which is really frustrating to dynasty managers. Uh, limits the ceiling of their dynasty value for sure, and I think that's still the case. But Stevenson's value is now much closer to Harris's uh, than it was before, and Dynasty managers can only hope that they'll have clarity between the two of them by the end of the season. I'm not sure that's going to happen. Uh, split load between two very talented backs. I was wrong on Stevenson. Let's talk some running backs then. Uh, I'll call this the running back cream of the crop. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, or I like to call JT, he's ascended up my running back rankings to number two, um, just ahead um, of Christian McCaffrey. Uh, who also will call him CMC, who's back in the lineup. Um, I still have CMC ranked ahead of JT, even though um, both of them, even though he's three years older. Uh, I just think that his involvement in the passing game keeps him just a little bit ahead of JT right now. On Sunday, CMC returned to his old ways, getting 13 carries on and 10 receptions, so 23 touches and 161 total yards. He averaged 7.3 yards per carry and you know just ripping multiple 10 and 15 yard runs. Uh, his day would have been a ton better, a lot better, if he would didn't have three touchdowns that were vultured um, after carrying the team to the one-yard line himself three times. He didn't get in the end zone. One, he actually scored, but got called back, and then the touchdown went to somebody else uh, upon review. So pretty pretty annoying. Uh, Cam Newton you know, may be a problem for CMC on the goal line. I think that's probably true. But if he improves the whole offense as a whole, um, it's going to help CMC. Uh, after all, his best fantasy season you know, of his career was with Cam at quarterback. It's fun just to have him back uh, off of IR in our starting lineups. He's so fun. As for JT, uh, he scored a touchdown again in his seventh consecutive game. He's just a big play waiting to happen. He's everything that we thought, I, everything I thought he would be after ranking him number one in my rookie rankings two years ago. But now he's actually more than I thought because he's proven that he can be involved in the passing game. Uh, he's averaging three catches per game, which is just enough to give him a bump uh, to number two of my dynasty rankings, ahead of Dalvin Cook, Najee Harris, Alvin Kamara. Uh, JT was a league winner for me last year. One of my leagues won the championship, and I believe that he and CMC will be league winners this year with the way that they're playing right now. Fun to have the two of them 
uh, doing so well. Yeah, fun to have CMC back. Let's talk to then, finally, uh, we've got two more points here. <laughs> Number nine, we'll talk about the receiver, cream of the crop. That's Justin Jefferson. Uh, he had a disappointing year so far, as has Stefan Diggs. Uh, last season, Diggs finished as a third highest scoring wide receiver, and Jefferson as the sixth highest scoring wide receiver. But headed into the end of this week, Jefferson was ranked 16th instead of 6th, and Diggs was 23rd instead of 3rd. So big drop-off uh, for these guys. But the rankings are going to change this week, um, as Diggs had his best game of the season and Jefferson had his second best. Minnesota said this week that they planned to give Jefferson the ball more, and they sure did. <laughs> By doing so, they won a road game against a very formidable opponent, and they broke their two-game uh, losing streak. Jefferson was targeted four and five times in the previous two games that they lost. This week, he was targeted 11 times. <laughs> While he didn't get in the end zone, his nine receptions for 143 yards carried the team and dynasty managers to wins. Uh, Diggs had uh, even more targets with 13 and more yards with 162. Uh, but he added an incredible touchdown catch to help the Bills and dynasty managers to victory. Uh, dynasty managers have been waiting for these game-winning performances from Diggs and from Jefferson. They finally... Finally got it. Uh, Jefferson Diggs are some of the best route running receivers in the league, and they can carry their teams and dynasty teams to, uh, you know, vent, uh, to wins um, if their offenses choose to make them the focus of the offense. Hopefully, from a coaching standpoint, the Vikings and Bills realize this week uh, that this is very important for their teams, and they would make plans to keep them as the focus of their offenses going forward. If they do, Jefferson and Diggs will lead dynasty teams deep into the playoffs. Jefferson and Diggs are my third and fourth ranked dynasty wide receivers right now, just behind Jamar Chase and Tyree Kill. I love that they were back involved this week and proving that they should be third and fourth ranked uh, dynasty wide receivers. Last point we'll mention uh, before we get into the waiver wire and trades is back on top. Um, after a rough couple of weeks, the Chiefs offense was back to itself on Sunday and the Chiefs are back on top of the AFC West as usual, like we're used to the last couple of years. Finally, Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill went nuts in the same week, and Mahomes uh, threw five touchdown passes. Um, they still uh, couldn't get huge plays downfield, uh, but the Hill and Kelsey were consistent in making 10 and 20-yard plays downfield. And then on Sunday, the real surprise, though, was how well Daryl Williams played, even when Clyde Edwards-Alaire was expected to return this week. Uh, he did not return, uh, leaving the load to Williams, who had his best game of the year, scoring 25 fantasy points. Uh, what surprised me most was his activity in the passing game. He caught nine passes for 101 yards, including an incredible 38-yard touchdown pass where he looked more like an athletic wide receiver than, you know, going up to high point the ball right on the goal line. Uh, this game's by Williams. I think it has to cause Andy Reid to reconsider who's the best running back on his team, even if, even if Edwards Alaire, you know, was their first-round draft pick from a year ago. Uh, the Chiefs have definitely owned the Raiders in recent years, so I want to see them dominate another team before I disregard, you know, how poorly they've played this so far this season. But at least for one week, all the Chiefs stars exceeded expectations. And we'll hear more about my thoughts on Daryl Williams here in a moment when we talk about some trades. Let's talk waiver wire. Uh, waiver wire for week 10. I hope to give you a way to jump on your teammates and get ahead of them as you put in your waiver bids uh, today or tomorrow, depending on how your league does them. As a reminder, I play in 27 to 30-man leagues. <clears throat> so the players that I mentioned here are for deep leagues only. Certainly, if you play in more shallow leagues, uh, they're better players than, than the ones I'm going to list here. But if you're in true dynasty leagues, uh, these are the players I'd recommend for this week. A few interesting ones, particularly the first two. Cam Newton. Uh, if Newton was on the waiver wire in Superflex leagues, he was definitely added to rosters the second 
news broke about his signing with Carolina, so I know he's not available in any Superflex leagues, but it's definitely too late to get him there. But it's not too late to get him in several of my one-quarterback leagues, in leagues where I don't roster a top-tier quarterback, or maybe I stream my own quarterbacks on my roster from week to week. I'd love to add Newton uh, to the mix. I'd love to add him to my quarterback room. Uh, his rushing touchdowns alone can make him a startable player down the stretch this season. Um, he could sign a new contract with the Panthers if he does well this season and really help you know from a dynasty perspective too if he plays well enough. Uh, Cam Newton would be my first target, even in one-quarterback leagues. Second will be Wayne Gallman. Uh, Gallman has, uh, was far more involved in the offense than Mike Davis was this week, and then Cordero Patterson injured his ankle on Sunday too. Gallman may have just played more than Davis because the Falcons were getting blown out by the Cowboys. That's possible. But I really think that it was more than that. Gallman looked better than Mike Davis uh, has all year, and he's earned the right to get more touches, and I think he will. Uh, he's not a great addition from a dynasty perspective, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's a startable player in deep leagues. You know, at the end of the fantasy season, he's going to be a starting running back, and you're just looking for someone who's starting. He could very well replace Mike Davis, so he's my second guy that I'd be taking a stab on uh, this week. Third would be DeAndre Carter. Carter scored 12.6 and 13.5 fantasy points the last two games. Uh, he's becoming a more active part of the Washington offense. Uh, he has the, he's the second in wide receiver snaps and targets the previous two games, just behind Terry McLaurin. Uh, he's found the end zone each of the last two games, too. I'm not sure that's going to be the case when Logan Thomas and Diami Brown you know, return from their injuries. But he's definitely a guy worth taking a chance on just to wait and see what happens when Thomas and Brown come back if maybe Carter's actually you know solidified a role as the wide receiver two in Washington. He's played like it. Next player I would consider would be Matt Breida. Uh, Breida came out of nowhere and got his first touches since week one. Uh, and He definitely made the most of them. He scored twice uh, on a pass and a run. Uh, touchdowns definitely boosted his fantasy day. He only had 50 total yards in the game. So I really doubt that he's going to be reliable as a fantasy player while Zach Moss and Devin, Devin Singletary are healthy. Uh, but he's a player that I consider in super deep leagues, leagues only. A few years ago, he was one of my favorite players with the 49ers. Maybe this rest that he's had is what's going to make him be the fastest player you know, on their team. Uh, he's been pretty irrelevant ever since he left the Shanahan system. Um, I'd consider him, though, in the very, very deep leagues. And finally, Marcus Johnson. Uh, it's definitely been hit and miss when it comes to wide receiver two in Tennessee uh, when Julio Jones has been injured. Uh, but the possibilities narrowed a little bit this week when Josh Reynolds was released from the team. And then uh, we found out that Julio Jones is back on IR, so he's going to miss at least three weeks. And this week it was Johnson that made the most, uh, he had the most targeted and was the most productive receiver ahead of A.J. Brown, who I already said was just blanketed by Marshawn Lattimore. I don't think that he's going to be you know, involved in the offense that much, um, and he won't last very long once Jones does come off of IR, if he ever does. Uh, he doesn't have much dynasty value either. But he's the guy that I consider picking up in a deep league if I could free up a spot by moving someone to the IR or something like that. Marcus Johnson definitely had a really good day, and he was a wide receiver. You know, could become the wide receiver too in Tennessee while Jones is injured. All right, those are the waiver wires. Let's talk some trades. Um, as a reminder, like I like to, you know, trade, trades are hard to you know, just grade in a, in a vacuum since the scoring systems are distant, different. Roster construction is different. You don't know if someone's rebuilding or someone's actually uh, just trying to win now. And so what I like to do is just give you actual trades that took place in my 10 leagues so that you can see how other dynasty managers that are in very active leagues value uh, these players. And so this week there are only two trades, so kind of a small, uh, kind of a light trading week. 
But the first one was Mark Ingram. He was traded for a 2022 third-round pick. Uh, the team that received Ingram in this trade is tied for first place and has Alvin Kamara on his team. I think he just doesn't want... Uh, he doesn't have a competent running back to start when Kamara is, is injured like he was this week. So uh, he approached... Probably it was him that approached the team uh, at the bottom of the league to acquire his Kamara's handcuff. Uh, last week, I made a very similar trade in the league. I told you about it last week on the podcast. I gave up Boston Scott to acquire Ingram as my handcuff to Kamara. Um, Ingram played great in his first start, and he led the team to a victory. Uh, I consider this a pretty even trade, uh, but if I, if I were the rebuilding team, I think I would have tried to hold Ingram hostage for a little bit more. I'm sure he tried to do so, tried to get maybe a second-round pick out of him instead of a third-round pick, but I think he just took what he could get to get an aging player off of his roster. Uh, the win-now team uh, that picked up Ingram, it really helped his team this year since Ingram actually signed a two-year contract. There's my dog in the background snoring. I apologize for that. Uh, the the win-now team, like I said, uh, he's helped his team not just this year, but really next year too because people people forget, but I mentioned it last week, that he actually signed a two-year contract when he signed with the Saints. Um, so he's going to be there for another year. So this is really a good move. Uh, having that security is well worth that third-round pick, in my opinion. So I like the Mark Ingram side of this trade for that team uh, for sure. Next trade and last trade that took place in my leagues was Daryl Williams uh, was traded for LaVisca Chenault. Uh, this trade was an interesting one, really interesting one. It was made between the first place team and the fifth place team. So both in the playoff running, the fifth place team is just trying to stay part of the playoff hunt and he desperately needed a running back this week, especially uh, in week number 10, injuries and bye weeks forced him to put Adrian Peterson and Jarek McKinnon in his starting lineup. So he, he was looking for a better player that he could have. And Williams was it. And Williams, even if he just picked him up for week 10, it paid off because he eked out a win. Uh, he had a victory this week by two points based largely on Williams' fantastic play on Sunday night. Uh, this week, the first place team that traded away Williams, uh, he lost because he didn't have Williams in his starting lineup, but he had to put in Javante Williams instead. It gets confusing here. Two Williams. But instead of what I think he likely would have done would have had Daryl Williams in his lineup, but instead he put Javante Williams, and he actually lost by two points because he didn't have the great Sunday night play of Daryl Williams. Now both teams have the same record, are 6-4. and four. Uh, That's how this trade-out played out this week. That's crazy. But from a dynasty perspective, Chenault is definitely... Uh, has the greater, far more greater, you know, future upside, but he's certainly struggling this year, and he's yet to break out in his second season. After Williams' performance on Sunday night, though, I think he's going to cut into the playing time of Clyde Edwards-Alaire, even more than you know Edwards-Alaire, you know, was cut. He was cutting into it before the injury. I do think that Coach Reed may realize that Williams is a better player than their first-round draft pick. Uh, Williams' contract expires at the end of the season. And so that's when I think we'll get a better idea of, you know, the dynasty impact of this trade. If Williams re-signs with Kansas City at the end of the season, uh, I think Williams, you know, would be the side of the trade that I would like here. If he signs with another team to be a backup role, then I would definitely prefer Chenault to see what would happen if maybe he could finally have a breakout in year number three since he's disappointed in year one and two. That's it this week, guys. I uh, hope that's been a fun reviewing week number 10 and thinking about it, you know, from a dynasty perspective, as I always say, make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com, dynastyfreaks with two E's. I'm much better on email than I am on Twitter, so contact me that way. I really would love to just interact with you. Love returning every single email that y'all send. I'd be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast this week. 
Uh, that would mean a lot to me as an independent podcaster. Thanks for listening. I do appreciate your support, and I want to become your most trusted independent voice in the Dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.